When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Bennett Kelly. Thanks for listening to Cyber Law and Business Report. Before you take a recess to hear the latest internet law news and commentary, you are hereby ordered to download the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app for iPhone and Android. Okay, maybe not ordered, but why not? You can listen live to my show and all our show hosts every day on our live stream or download past episodes with ease. So download the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app in the iTunes store or in the Google Play store. It's an open and shut case. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot button internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly broadcasting live from the Internet Law Center here in sunny Santa Monica, California, the heart of Silicon Beach. Um, please be seated. We have a great show for you today, and um, it's a very significant day. Um, as usual, you, we have a um, blog post on the topics we'll be covering, and they're available at cyberlawradio.wordpress, and you can follow us on Twitter at cyberlawradio, and um, please do. Or you can, in addition, the Internet Law Center is found at internetlawcenter.net, and on Twitter, Internet Law Cent. Um, Twitter cut off the ER. So today we're going to be talking about a couple of things. Um, this our main guest is going to be, uh, we're going to talk about the war between Mozilla and OkCupid. Um, Mozilla took the unusual, I mean, OkCupid took the unusual step of actually taking on Mozilla over their policy, over the um, the political beliefs of their chairman in that to the extent that he was very supportive of Proposition 8, which outlawed gay marriage in California. And um, Mozilla took offense to that and actually made a, to a corporation, took on another corporation for its chairman's political beliefs. And uh, it's somewhat of an unconventional um, approach, but it, it led to a crescendo um, that ultimately forced out uh, Mozilla's chairman. And um, so it was quite a significant event. And so um, we're going to talk about what, what that means and what the ramifications are. And, um, you know, is that what happens when politics enters the boardroom? And we're going to be talking with Charles Elson, who's um, a professor at the University of Delaware. And Delaware is kind of the, the center of American corporate law. And so who better to talk to us about that than um, Mr. Elson, who's with the um, University of Delaware um, there. He's the chair in corporate governance and the professor of finance and the director of the Joseph L. Weinberg Center for Corporate Governance. And he's been quoted on this somewhat. He's um, he's actually thinks it's somewhat troubling um, to see that corporations get involved in politics. So we're going to have a discussion about that. But today is also a very significant day um, worldwide. Um, but um, before we get to that, um, the big news in the Internet is um, – John Oliver and his new show, um, 
that spun off from The Daily Show when it airs on HBO. He um, <laughs> he caused quite a stir in Washington. Um, he's already uh, only been on the air two or three weeks now. But he managed to shut down, to not only um, shut down, but he shamed and shut down the FCC. Uh, on his show on Sunday night, um, he did a great um, discussion about the um, error in um, FCC Chairman Wheeler's um, viewpoint on um, reversing FCC position on net, in net neutrality and in embracing a situation in which you can have um, I, ISPs collect money at both ends of the traffic um, s- s- stream. So in other words, the ISPs like Comcast want to be able to charge users fees and then they also want to collect fees from content providers to give prioritized access. And um, what they, you know, basically what we had all warned about would happen, that there'd be toll booths on the Internet, and it's starting to happen. And they're, they're trying to um, force Netflix into paying toll booths in order to make sure that they have the able to adequately stream their content to, the, to their viewers. And um, the past FCC chairman um, found that to be a very dangerous approach that yielded nothing of value, um, but somehow now the current FCC chairman has um, seems to embrace that. So um, he got quite a tongue lashing from John Oliver, including a reference to a dingo stole my baby that I'll, I won't share with you. You have to see the video to really appreciate it. But um, what was most important was that Oliver then mentioned that the FCC was taking comment on the issue and invited um, listeners to submit their comments online using the link the FCC provided. Well, Almost overnight, the FCC received fifty thousand hits um, and excuse me, fifty thousand comments, approximately just under that so far. And the system just got overwhelmed and shut down. So we'll see whether um, they're back up today. And we'll, but the quite bigger question is, will they listen? And um, meanwhile, on Capitol Hill, you have um, some of the Republicans in the House who want to expressly prohibit the FCC from stepping in on net neutrality. And um, so this is going to be an ongoing battle, but bravo to John Oliver, a brand new show. And um, overnight, um, it shuts down the FCC. Quite a remarkable achievement. And um, so I mentioned that today is a momentous day, and today is the 25th anniversary of Tiananmen Square Massacre. And um, for those who are unfamiliar, um, Tiananmen Square refers to what was a uh, pro-democracy movement that was taking place in Tiananmen Square in um, Beijing, uh, which is one of its main squares. I guess something equivalent would be Times Square in New York or outside Lafayette Park or on the mall in Washington, D.C. And um, where thousands and thousands of um, Chinese were congregating in, as part of pro-democracy um, demonstrations. And it was becoming so large that they it even had developed um, their own Statue of Liberty that was being carried around. So the, the symbols of freedom um, were there. And uh, um, on June 3rd and June 4th, this, up, um, this peaceful demonstration was shut down abruptly and violently by the Chinese uh, military. Um, scores were killed. Um, the people were, innocent people were just shot at. Um, tanks just rolled over. Um, 
protesters and uh, of course the most one of the most famous moments and the most famous photographs of the 20th century occurred when one single protester walked up to the tank and refused to let it pass. And when the tank went to go around him, he moved and wouldn't let it pass. And um, he's only known as Tank Man or Tank Boy. And I was watching a documentary about it last night. And uh, what was interesting was that one Chinese woman, a lot of the uh, journalists were on this one balcony that overlooked the square since it had been closed off um, to the media. And um, so there was one hotel had a balcony where they had somewhat of a view of the square, and that's where the photograph was taken. And the journalists were there, and all of them were taking pictures. And this one Chinese woman or Chinese-American woman um, was there taking pictures, and she said, I, I found it hard to take a photograph because I knew that he was risking his life and that he probably would die for this. And that brought tears to my eyes, she said, but, which made it hard to take a picture. But if he's doing this, I owe it to him to broadcast this to the world. I owe it to him to display what happened here today. And um, as it was, since the um, Chinese military knew where their media was, that had access, that had a viewpoint of that incident, they actually stormed the hotel rooms of some of the, some of the journalists. Um, and the guy who actually took the photograph that we've all seen of Tank Man, um, actually his room was stormed into, and um, they stole, they took, confiscated his film. Fortunately, he knew that was going to happen, um, or likely to happen, and so he actually immediately took out some film after taking that shot and stored it um, in the um, in the toilet bowl, um, strangely enough, and so that's how that survived. So it's a very important day, um, 25th anniversary. China has every year forced um, and uh, strict silence on the issue. Um, doesn't allow any observances, and um, it is cracking down on the internet. And it has been. Um, we and going after Google and other applications for over a week now to make them really ineffective. But more importantly, and and sadly, is that um, they've been uh, arresting and detaining journalists. Um, a whole list of journalists have been arrested and detained. Um, one person that I know, uh, Vivian Yu Wei, who um, has been um, a noted journalist in that area. And, um, and as a mother, um, she's been detained since May 15th. Um, I'm not sure if people know where her, for her whereabouts, but uh, other journalists have been brought forward and forced to denounce themselves or renounce their positions. And um, so it is a troubling time in China. And um, so we observed this, this day um, when it's a sense of somberness and um, you know throughout the the last century and particularly the age of communism we had um, every decade there was some brilliant moment where people determined to break free um, achieve some momentary um, aspect of that um, whether it was the Hungarian revolution where the, uh, the Hungarians were able to force the Russians to re the Soviets to retreat from Budapest, and they actually had 
a weekend of freedom before it was violently crushed. Prague Spring in 68, um, which once again, some, a hope of freedom that was crushed. Um, solidarity in Poland. And the significant thing um, about Tiananmen Square in 1989 was that Tank Man enabled people throughout the world. And uh, so demonstrators would take, took to the streets as we, we saw the fall of the Berlin Wall. And um, we, um, they said, if Tank Man can do that, so can I. And uh, it, you know, so demonstrators were emboldened by his courage. And uh, we saw the fall of the wall later that year. And um, China and Soviet Union took opposite paths. Um, China decided to go for economic liberalization and while maintaining um, political repression. Soviet Union tried political um, liberalization and um, while maintaining a, a state economy and um, Clearly, um, China's enabled the regime to survive, whereas once um, Gorbachev loosened the political reins, um, the, the regime was not able to survive. So China is, is prospering, but we're seeing today what type of nation it is. It is a nation that must suppress its citizens. It is a nation that won't allow people to speak freely. And it is a nation that fears the citizens, it fears the truth, and it fears freedom. And so it's kind of fitting having this come after John Oliver, where we were lucky to have a free and open internet and uh, where um, things can be transmitted freely without gatekeepers. Um, and let's hope that day we continue to have that. Um, but in China, people over today, notable journalists across the country, are being jailed. And that is wrong. And we as free people must stand with them. We as free people must not forget we must not forget Tank Man, and we must not forget those who are trying to bring freedom to China um, and the price that they are paying today. So um, let us all stand with them. Let us not forget them. And let us always remember that this day is a day that freedom was paid for um, with blood. And hopefully someday... Um, people will be able to walk freely in Tiananmen Square and talk about that day. And hopefully someday the Lady of Liberty that was demonstrated and carried so proudly on Tiananmen Square will be able to be displayed there again. So um, other news going on. Yesterday was the election in, um, here in um, Southern California, or actually all throughout California. And um, it was... We had our primary, and California has a um, top two vote-getter primary. And uh, so whoever comes in first and second, regardless of party, wins, moves on to the runoff. And in the Silicon Beach primary, the, um, the top two vote-getters were in order. Uh, Republican Elon Carr, um, a, a newcomer. Um, who um, was on our show in this part of the Silicon Beach debate, came in first, and um, second place went to Ted Liu, who was um, the favorite. And Ted is uh, actually a, a, a self-confessed computer geek. But um, So you're going to have a, a, what should be an interesting battle between those two, and uh, hopefully they'll both return um, for the fall um, to talk about the, um, more, um, maybe more extensive debate about um, some of these cyber issues, but 
I wish congratulations to both of them and look forward to talking to them in the fall on these issues. And um, a couple other important things to cover in the time we have left before we go to our featured um, guest. Um, today is the birthday of Ian Ballin, and Ian's been on our show in the past. Um, Ian's one of the premier internet lawyers in, out there, and uh, we've always, we were thrilled to have him um, talk about uh, the top developments of the year last year. And um, I will be with Ian on next um, Thursday, um, June 12th, and he will be kicking off the um, 2014 IP and the Internet Conference. And we're having that here at the Lux Sunset Hotel in Los Angeles. And um, so he'll be doing uh, leading off with the Hot Topics and Internet Law. And we'll also have Chris Kelly from Facebook and a whole number of other um, wonderful guests. So um, please check it out. And uh, it will be um, California Bar IP section. The IP and the Internet Conference is a day-long conference. And it's online um, at the um, California Bar website. So, and um, happy birthday, of course, to Ian. And uh, we will be thank him for his contributions. So, um, we have a, a, a good show for you coming up. We're going to be talking about the uh, Mozilla and OKCupid battle. And um, so, it, it's a, definitely a unique situation. And at what point um, do do you go political? And for actually here, for OKCupid, it made sense. OKCupid was actually making a marketing ploy to show that hey, we're a website that is very is gay friendly, and um, so we're going to be talking about that. And after these messages, we'll be with Charles Elson and talking about when politics enters the boardroom. After these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Before you painstakingly create another label or drag yourself to the post office, set a course to ShipStation. Your over 40 others. Save money with discounted USPS rates and a free USPS account. Automate manual tasks through bulk label and invoice printing, custom shipping rules, and much more. Webisters get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash Webmaster Radio now. Shipping Nirvana starts. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited fostered at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at InternetMarketingNinjas.com. Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. Find it here every week on SEM Synergy. 
This is Bruce Clay, one of the hosts of SEM Synergy, the show about achieving synergy in your search marketing efforts. SEM Synergy, on demand anytime inside the search engine optimization channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. Our next guest is uh, Charles Elson. He's the director of the John L. Weinberg Center for Corporate Governance at the University of Delaware. Um, their learner um, business school is very well known. It's one of the top 100 in the country. And Delaware plays a very important role in American corporate life. Um, many companies are, in fact, incorporated in Delaware. In fact, according to the, the Secretary of State of Delaware, um, basically, 50% of all publicly traded companies in the United States, including 64% of the Fortune 500, um, are incorporated in Delaware. But I believe only two of the Fortune 500 actually reside there. So, um, Professor, thank you for coming on board. And um, you know, tell us a little bit about the, um, the program. Well, the, uh, the program is set up such that we, uh, our program we bring together the Delaware judiciary and basically the rest of the world to talk about various issues of corporate governance with the idea that the rest of the world, including finance, uh, people, directors, legal academics, lawyers, regulators, can better understand what the judiciary in Delaware is doing vis-a-vis corporate governance uh, and more importantly, so the judiciary understands the impact their actions have on the rest of the world. So the idea is to create reasoned reform, governance reform, uh, by those participating, both those who make the reforms, the, uh, the judges, and those who have to live with the reforms, uh, the, rest of, the rest of the world. And if you can bring the two together in one neutral spot to talk about this in a reasonable and neutral way, you end up with, uh, we think, better reform. And, and Delaware is unique with its chancery courts that are, are specialized in corporate law, is it not? That's correct. Uh, Delaware Chancery Court is really the best-known business court in the world, and it's a court that whose jurisdiction is almost exclusively corporate matters. Um, Delaware uh, has obviously courts to deal with normal sort of judicial things, criminal matters and civil matters, but the Chancery Court basically is the only place where corporate matters are decided. The jurisdiction of the Chancery Court is almost exclusively corporate. And given the fact that, let's say, oh, uh, well over half, maybe 70, 80 percent of the Fortune 500 are incorporated in Delaware, uh, Chancery has a, plays a very important role in, in resolving corporate disputes and setting the rules of the road for corporate behavior. And it's also why, and it also has the effect of continuing that that status as the corporate center because you have an established body of law, and one thing you know corporations and businesses like is predictability. And so, why go you know to Wyoming, which is trying to copy Delaware or Nevada, when you can you know, when you don't know what their judges are going to decide when you already have Delaware. That's the old Ella Fitzgerald song. Uh, who cares if it's real, but if it uh, stay away from the mock. mock turtle. <laughs> no. uh, can't remember the lyrics off the top of my head, but uh, beware of the mock. No, we're the real thing. And the point is that uh, we have established, number one, a terrific body of law dealing with these issues, uh, both statutory, but more importantly, a body of law decided through precedent in, in the court. So you've got this body 
of law that creates predictability in corporate decision making because you know it, 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 we know you, most things have sort of happened before and you've got this body of law to tell you how a court may rule. Also, you've got a very sophisticated judiciary, uh, all of whom were you know significant corporate lawyers before they went on the bench. So to most judges, a lot of corporate stuff they might have seen here and there, but to Chancery, these were people who specialized in corporate law so that when a case comes before them, it's not a case of first impression. They number one, have dealt with it in practice, number two, understand it, and have this terrific body of precedent which, which to rely on to decide it. And, and more importantly, that, that there really is no big industry in Delaware other than the regulation of, of corporate law. Uh, we have DuPont, the chemical company, we have chickens downstate, but, you know, other than that, there isn't that much else here. So you have no local industry that 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 is there that a, that a local court is there to protect. Our only uh, interest is national, getting it right. That's why people incorporate here. And if we mess that up, if we appear not to be neutral or intelligent in these matters, people go other places and we lose tax revenues that, frankly, comprise a majority of the tax revenues of the state. So it's Amazing. basically against our interest to, to, to do, do anything but the right thing in the corporate law area. To a technology court. And that n none of them really have seemed to have taken off that I'm, that I'm aware of. No, you know, I mean, there's, you know, uh, you know, it, it, again, this, it, it has to do with the fact that a lot of businesses are incorporated here, that the judges are viewed as having no local interest other than getting the right decision. And people view us as fair. And that's why it happens here. And, uh, and hopefully it will continue to happen here for quite some time. Now, we, we brought you on not, not to, to be the, the, the Delaware Chamber of Commerce, although you know, I must put it in my oh, own I like, being, I like it, doing it. It's kind it, of fun. It, it's a great place to visit. They have great beaches. They do. Uh, I have many fond memories of it. But um, although the, Wayne's World does get a dig at you guys. Um, I remember from the movie because I actually saw it in Delaware. But <laughs> um, we're here to talk about the, the recent um, controversy and, and kind of feud between Mozilla and OKCupid. Okay over right. um, the, 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 the Mozilla chairman of the board's position on Prop 8 in California, which would um, you know, ban gay marriage. Right. And um, what, um, what, why don't you kind of give us the lead up on that? How, how, how did that come about? Well, basically, I believe that uh, the uh, chair made a, a monetary contribution uh, to the uh, initiative. Uh, a few years back, uh, it was uh, discovered and uh, public filings from the, from the group that he made the contribution to. And some uh, people said, well, gee, if he supported this, he shouldn't be chair of the, uh, of the company because of the location of the company in Silicon Valley. Uh, and the views of, of, of those who worked with the company, that, that his, his view on this issue was contrary to the views of others, and they suggested he leave. Uh, and ultimately, uh, he did resign as a result uh, of pressure put on him because of the contribution he made. Right, but uh, well, there were two things. One, there's one thing that's unique about Mozilla. Mozilla is not your, your standard company. I mean, it seems to have its own um, social purpose and mission. Well, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a business like any other businesses. It's there to you know, earn a return for those who invest in it. And the idea is to generate over time, over the long term, the best return you can with the, with the goal of achieving that return over the long term. 
Um, and, you know, obviously different things come up in the short term that you have to deal with to ensure that you deliver results for the long term. I mean, businesses, despite are made up of a wide variety of people who work at them, of wide viewpoints, uh, both social, political, etc. And, uh, you know, when you run a, run a business, I think you have to take into consideration that wide range of viewpoints, as we do in, in our society. There's, you know, if you go to any town, you know, not everyone agrees on everything. That's why we have elections. Otherwise, the election day wouldn't be a lot of fun. Uh, or the lead-up certainly wouldn't be a lot of fun. We're all we're a very, very diverse society made up of very diverse viewpoints, and businesses are simply collections of people who come from our society. So they're just as diverse in their viewpoints as as in society. Now, uh, the the part of the the downfall for the the Mozilla CEO um, came because of a challenge from a dating site called OkCupid, and they first of all they published a letter you know, condemning um, Mozilla, but then ultimately would redirect people um, coming from a Mozilla browser to use a different browser um, because of the president's position on gay marriage. And what was your viewpoint on that? Well, you know, people are free to do whatever they want with their political beliefs, social beliefs. Uh, you know, and that, that's, uh, that, that, that's, that's, you know, if you don't like what someone says or does, you're free to shop somewhere else. Basically, that's up to you. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, on the other hand, you know, that, uh, that when you're looking for a particular service, uh, good or service, you know, what do you, uh, what's, what's more important to you, the price, the quality, or the political viewpoints of those who provide it? I mean, you gotta expect, that in, any, in a society uh, with multiple goods and services, the people providing it are probably not going to agree with you on, on most uh, or, or many or some or, or, or no issues, you know, and, and that's that's part of living in a in a free society. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's pretty hard to appoint a litmus test on every issue when you go out for a good or service. Uh, you know, universities try to provide a wide variety of viewpoints to the students so that people can, uh, you know, pick and choose what they what they agree with or what they don't agree with. Uh, but I think if you you know you look at a product that is pretty generic uh, and, and, and want to go through every viewpoint of the person who provided that product, it'd be very very time consuming, and I'm not so sure what it would accomplish. Now, obviously, there are going to be exceptions to that. A, a company that specifically uh, notes its intention to violate law or, or act in a way that is uh, so uh, grossly unacceptable to society, uh, you know, they obviously will suffer the consequences. On the other hand, I think picking out particular political viewpoints of an employee or officer of a company uh, could be very time-consuming, and, and I'm not sure ultimately what, what it gets you. I, I think that political issues and business issues uh, sometimes they intersect, but a lot of times they're pretty separate. And I think political issues are best debated uh, as they typically are in the political sector. And you can always vote, you know, a candidate out of office with whom you disagree. I think it's a lot tougher in the business sense because, you know, the connection is a little tougher. And uh, everyone is entitled to their opinion, like it or not. That's what makes a free society a free society. And the litmus test of a bad opinion is how many people support it. And if few people support it, it probably isn't a very good opinion. But, and so you, what do you think of OKCupid's um, decision to actually make it an issue? I mean, because in one way, it, it, you know, they're in a very crowded online dating space. 
that includes you know a fair number of, of, of gay daters. And so in, in one way, by them getting ahead of the pack of their other competitors and condemning Mozilla, um, you know, they may have pulled off a marketing coup. Well, that, 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 that's their decision. You, you, you've gotten kind of out of my realm on that one. I, I'm the governance guy. <laughs> uh, I have no expertise as to the marketing of dating services. <laughs> it works. But, and okay, so if you're um, – and so you're, you're basically saying for the boards that you know, someone's politics shouldn't really affect whether or not they are um, fit or should keep – their position with the board. I think that you know. I think that people's political positions and religious positions are very personal, and I think one's personal life and one's business life should be rather two different things. Now, obviously, if your personal convictions uh, are such they affect dramatically your ability to conduct your business, uh, if you become a lightning rod for one thing or another because of an extreme position that you vocalize. The board has to take that into account. But typically, one's politics is one's own business. Uh, you know, that's, that's why we have secret balloting. You go in, you close the curtain, and you vote. And how you vote is your business and no one else's. That's, I think, essential to a free and open society. People are, you know, are entitled to the viewpoints they wish. And when people are punished for political viewpoints, I think it creates a very dangerous precedent for a free society. The whole point of a diverse society is different viewpoints are represented, and we may disagree with some of them. But in the disagreement, I think we strengthen, if you think about it, the strength of our own position. Better to debate and, uh, and discuss, and through that, better and I think more sensible public policy is established than to, let's say, extricate one particular viewpoint. And in business, you know, I think that's basically uh, reasonably irrelevant. I mean, look at the heads of our various largest companies. You'll find a lot of political divergence there. Uh, in certain, you know, many companies, you have supporters of the Republican Party. Other companies, you have major supporters of the Democratic Party. But no one makes or should make their support or their political beliefs, a litmus test as to whether they should run an operation or not. The issue is, are they good at running the company? Their beliefs seem to be, I think, political beliefs are quite personal, and they should remain such, unless the political belief affects your ability on a day-to-day -day basis to run an operation. Then, obviously, it becomes a slightly different story. But that's why typically businesses have left it alone. They should. So Mozilla, however, so let's maybe position it you know, closer to Mozilla. You know, Mozilla was based in, in Northern California, and maybe I'm not even sure if they're in San Francisco itself, but you know, they're in, in one of the, the the areas that have the highest concentration of you know gay 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 married couples and, and gay couples in general uh, in the United States. And so, does the fact that it that is so uh, out of line with maybe what the prevailing standard in the community, maybe not the nation, is that something a board should take into account? Because it could affect recruiting or other matters. Uh, you know, again, because he made a contribution to a, 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 a statewide referendum in itself doesn't suggest that he is anti-gay or anything. He, maybe he had a different view 
of what marriage was, that doesn't in and of itself suggest much. I think he's entitled to his political beliefs. If you started creating litmus tests for political beliefs, how on earth could you run an effective business? Because there's such a wide range of beliefs. Do you, you, would you say, okay, everyone who votes Republican can't work here, or everyone who votes Democratic can't work here, or any, everyone who, who expresses a sentiment supporting a Democratic Party or sentiment supporting the Republican Party can't work here. It would be terrible for business if you think about it, because you'd reduce your pool of, of, of candidates dramatically. Uh, and the key of the business is to attract the best possible people. That's why politics and business are separate. I think if you get into this, you begin to, it, it, as we say in the uh, law biz, it's a slippery slope. And you slip right down into litmus test. And, and, and at that point, you slip right out of a free society. And that's no, a concern. I, I mean, I, I, I share your concern. When my grandmother had to attend Republican meetings to keep her job way back in the, the early part of the century. But um, now a, a parallel situation, not involving politics, but involving action, is um, involves um, Gurbash Shahal of Radium One. And um, we're going to talk about that after we take a short break from our sponsors. You're listening to Cyberlaw and Business Report only on webmasterradio.fm. Stay tuned for more of the Cyberlaw and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Guys, are you suffering from FD, fulfillment dysfunction? Let MoldingBox.com's online portal system for inventory, tracking, and returns perform for you. We have the enormous tools you need for complete warehousing, shipping, and handling of all your packages, no matter the size or shape, directly to your customers. MoldingBox.com can also fulfill all your nourishing, nutraceutical, and smooth skincare product desires, including green coffee and Garcinia on demand. Plus, let our in-house printing and CD DVD manufacturing help you enlarge and maximize your coaching and business opportunity potential. We do everything. Fulfillment, shipping, tracking, inside and out, and all in one place. Moldingbox.com. It's shipping made sexy. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm.
And we're back, and、um, we're talking about what is the duty of a corporation to act、um, in response to、um, controversial actions or statements of its、uh, of its CEO or leaders. And、um, we've been talking.、Um, About this, and、uh, we, we were talking about, and specifically, we were talking about、um, the example of what happened with Mozilla and the challenge it received,、um, both from、um, dating sites as well as from the, the overall community as a whole. And、uh, we're talking with Charles Ellison, who's the director of the J. Weinberg Center, John L. Weinberg Center for Corporate Governance at the University of Delaware. And、um, and so his his view is that you know, this. Corporate governance shouldn't involve itself with politics, and、uh, although sometimes it can overwhelm it, and so a similar instance happened recently with Radium One.、Um, their founder Gurbash Jahal、um, was、um, found to have, I believe, beaten his girlfriend 116 times, kicks and punches over a 30-minute、um, interval,、um, which、uh, is, was documented in a, a video of the event. That, um, where he had 45 felony counts, but basically got off with a slap on the wrist and 25 hours of community service, that led to a, a, a national outrage that ultimately led to his firing by the company. Now, there, that's not politics. That's actually、um, demonstrable action, but it's not anything involving malfeasance of a corporation or anything involving saying he'd be dishonest as a, as a CEO. What's your view about that? If you were on a board and they said our CEO has done this,、uh, I think that's a real problem. And, and, and you know, in, in corporate contracts, you talk about actions involving moral turpitude, and you know,、uh, engaging in a criminal act.、Uh, most people would say it was moral turpitude. One is that it, that sort of act makes it very difficult for you to continue to run the operation. Because people look at you and say, "Is this the kind of person I wish to、uh, wish to work for?" Or does that behavior indicate problems、uh, in ordinary discourse with other people? There's a difference between that and politics. Politics and religion are very personal viewpoints. An action that violates the law. Is a different thing. A political viewpoint is perfectly legal. An action that exhibits harm or, or, or problematic personality issues does affect how you operate a business, and this is important for a board. You know,、uh, you know, someone, let's say, who lies on a resume,、uh, a board has to react to someone、uh, who engages in criminal conduct. Uh, may have a tough time gaining support from their employees or, or, or the public itself. But again, politics and religion we protect. Those are things that are innately personal. There's nothing wrong with political viewpoints. There's nothing wrong with religious viewpoints, and that we protect in this country. That's the essence of a free society. On the other hand, an act that violates our laws and our mores and our ethics—different story. And that's why, in that case, I think board has to act. Now, that being said, if a controversy becomes so overwhelming. Think about it: that the individual becomes the lightning rod and harms the organization itself. The board has to consider that in deciding whether to keep them on. You don't want the individual's issues to become the company's issues, and that's where sometimes, where you you become controversial, you might say this is probably not the best thing to continue to do. But again, you know, I,、uh, I I'm a great believer in, in protecting political and religious viewpoints. I think that that's to me the essence of a free society. Now,、um, 
re- related to that in in that you, you have to, you have to choose between you know, to what extent do you want to be involved in politics which who should make the decision and involvement in politics in terms of you know who does a, a board or the company pack back is that something that should be done at the board level or there have been some initiatives that actually want shareholder approval of that well I, I think that's the board's decision itself it's been in some debate now about whether shareholders should approve political contributions by companies. I've always believed that uh, that, the com- that political contributions that are there to support uh, CEO political beliefs are inappropriate. I think the idea is if you do make a political contribution, it has to relate to the company's interest. So the problem is the closer a political contribution relates to the company's interest, the closer it looks like an improper donation. That's that's the difficulty with making politic, corporate political donations. The more precise it is vis-a-vis the company, the more it looks like attempting to improperly influence uh, a, a, a governmental action. And that's why it's such a dicey and scary area. And frankly, the best advice I've always thought has been as best you can stay out of it. But again, you can't you can't you can't tell individuals what opinions they're going to have and what they're going to do. But if someone's you know political beliefs become such that it overwhelms their ability to carry out their business responsibilities, then then they may have to think otherwise. In other words, if one's interest in politics outweighs one's interest in one's company to which one has fiduciary obligations, one may ought to think of a different career. But simply making a donation to a political cause. I don't think at that, at that level arises to that level of concern. If someone got out on the stump and left the office three days a week to make speeches in support of a particular political position in, in, in disregard of their, of their business obligations, I think that's a real problem. But you know, making a donation to a candidate or, or, or two uh, is simply exercising your right of free speech. But, but should the, who should make the decision as to who a corporation gives money to? I, I think I think I think that's the board and ultimately the shareholders. If the shareholders don't like who the companies give money to, they get rid of the board. Okay. I think, and I think that's that's that. Ultimately, the shareholders have that power, and they should. So the the the, the, the officers are, are accountable. Um, they should be free to have their own political views, but they're accountable for their crimes, and, and obviously that affects the, the corporation. What about crimes of fashion? Um, we have a. Uh, um, Facebook's uh, CEO has been rated one of the worst dressed men in, in Silicon Valley. <laughs> <laughs> what should the board do there? Well, I never knew that wearing a bad tie was a criminal offense. <laughs> Though sometimes I'm told I do, I do create that offense by wearing a really bad tie. But I would hope people don't judge me on what tie I wear. You know, I try. But, um, but it, clearly, the, the modern CEO has a has. A, has a role beyond just the boardroom. In so many cases, he's become the symbol of the company. That's and, right, and, and and the board has to insist that the individual reflect the company's values. I agree in some respects, uh, but again, at what point does that bump into free exercise of one's you know political or religious beliefs? You know, that's a tough one in a free society. You have, you have to be careful, and that's why you have to make sure that. That, 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 that this doesn't become a club to stifle dissident political beliefs. Because, you know, in a, in a free society, you need dissident beliefs. That's what creates the vitality and growth and progress of a really good society. And if you stifle dissent, then you, you go at, end up going absolutely nowhere. And in, in business, too, for that matter. Do you think Mozilla did the right thing? 
So I, I, I don't. I, 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 I'm just troubled by the whole episode. I, I can't really get into what you know he did in deciding to resign or not. That was up to him. I'm just troubled that the whole thing became such an issue. I think it. I think it's it's troubling and concerning because, again, I. You know, polit- personal political be- beliefs are just that. They should remain personal. Again, unless they overwhelm you and they become your raison d'etre. But belief you hold to be the reason for a, a termination is troubling. It just, to me, harkens back to the days where uh, many years ago where people wouldn't do business with because of businesses that ha- whose owners had certain religious beliefs. That's right. a terrible way of doing business, too. That's a terrible way of society. Or people who won't, wouldn't vote for a presidential candidate because of religious beliefs, I find really offensive. And I think politics are the same thing. You know, now, I you know, know about that. Is this is the Mozilla question also something that maybe another department of the University of Delaware might, be want, might want to cover, I mean, the School of Communications? I mean, is this really just a badly handled you know, um, PR episode by Mozilla? You know, stumbling into uh, um, dangerous grounds and, and not really ever getting themselves on their feet. I don't know. That's a good question. How the PR? I, I don't know. My concern, though, is, is that when political police become litmus tests, that that in a business setting, that troubles me. They certainly are if you're running for political office or you're seeking a party's nomination. But running a business, uh, you know, a donation to a charity, you know, to a political uh, uh, action committee of one another is a little troubling to me. I think that that's where free speech, uh, when you begin to impinge free speech or free freedom of association, I, I get a little trouble. Look, I'm a civil libertarian, and that uh, that concerns me. Now, and what is what is your students' response, Ben? Uh, I haven't really talked about it much, oddly enough. They didn't really come up in class. I mean, I oh, think, really? You know, you, no. Not really. I mean, I think a couple of people saw the Business Week piece that you're referring to, and right. most people, you know, kind of agreed with it. I, I, I think that uh, I think that the author of the piece, Peter Burroughs, did a nice job. I agree with Joe Grunpest's position from Stanford, and hopefully, he agreed with mine. Uh, you know, I, I think it's it's concerning. And, and I, I wonder if this is, if there is a, a president here, or whether it's just a it's just a, a unique confluence of events. I hope I hope it I hope it's a one off. I'd rather not see it again, honestly. I hope it's just a one off and one of those things that we can look back in twenty years and say, How sad. Well, um I wanna thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Where can people find more about your school? Uh go to our website. Uh, you go to the University of Delaware, Weinberg Center for Corporate Governance. Uh we're still here. <laughs> <laughs> Hope to be here for a while. Uh, please visit our website uh, and uh, list the programs we do and the sort of things we do. This this sort of thing isn't what we usually talk about. We usually are kind of a little more dry, dual class stock and shareholder vote and, and things like that. But it's always fun to uh, get into interesting and unexplored areas. And it, um, it's it's the blue hens or the mud hens? The blue hen, the fighting blue hens. Very important. Blue hens fight. And actually, you know, for uh, you know, for a tiny, tiny state and tiny school like Delaware, you know, the the Blue Hens have a great history in football. They've usually been one of the top Division two schools for many years. Yeah, we had two, and two two all star guys go out. One to, uh, as you know, Oakland, and certainly Mr. Flacco, who I watched very intently while he was here, uh, has done quite well with the Ravens. Oh, I didn't know he was from Delaware. How about that? That's that's quite a great that's a great story, right? Right next to home. 
a great player. I got to tell you, he was fun to watch as a college student and even more fun as a pro. Well, it's been a pleasure and best of luck to you in Delaware. And I hope you have a great summer by your wonderful beaches from Bethany to Rehoboth, to Dewey and, and beyond. So um, thanks again. And uh, we look forward to um, yeah, following up on this issue. And um, for more information, we can go to http www.learner.udel.edu. That's learner.udel.edu. So thanks again. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And thanks to um, Professor Elson. It was a it was a pleasure having him. Next week, um, we we have a very special guest. Um, we have Cameron Carey. And Cam was the um, general counsel of the Department of Commerce. And I actually had the good fortune of traveling with Cameron to China um, two years ago. And we uh, presented at the, the 17th U.S.-China Legal Exchange. And uh, in his role as the general counsel of the Department of Com- Commerce, um, he oversaw uh, uh, ICANN. You know, there's a limited function that the U.S. Department of Commerce has. Um, through one of its sub-agencies that um, has some supervisory role for ICANN. And uh, with the whole debate now of what should be the future role of ICANN, um, who better to talk to than Cam? And uh, so, and yes, and Cam, Cameron is um, former presidential candidate, former senator, and current Secretary of State um, John Kerry's brother. So it should be a very interesting and informative discussion. We're going to talk about the whole debate um, as I mentioned before, I often refer to it as Icanima um, because there's been a lot of politicking about the issue of transferring some um, oversight role for ICANN to a separate international body um, as long as it's not a um, state body. Um, so we're going to talk about the politics of that and the substance of that uh, when we come back. But um, one last note here. Um, this is Hockey Town, dude. Yes, um, the Stanley Cup is back in Los Angeles. And surprisingly, it is only the eighth time that Gotham City and Tinseltown have met in a, in a championship series. Um, they've met in, um, both in the NBA Finals with the, um, the New York Knicks winning two out of three um, game of series with the Lakers and they've also played in the World Series um, with the um, the Yankees and uh, Dodgers going 2-2 in four separate World Series and uh, the most so the last time they met at this stage was the 1981 World Series where um, Tommy Soder and Fernando Venezuela finally were able to beat the Yankees and um, and so um, tie up their um, series with the, the with the with the Yankees, and so um, tonight, Los Angeles Kings and um, New York Rangers. The puck will drop in the Staples Center in Los Angeles, and this will be ground zero for hockey. So, Hockey Town is is now in Southern California, and if the Kings win, it'll be the third time um, the Stanley Cup has come back to Southern California in the last eight years. So, good luck, Kings. And uh, so next week, we look forward to talking with Cameron. And, um, and again, once again, uh, um, I just saw some footage. Um, we, there was over um, tens of thousands of people at Candlelight Vigil last night in um, Hong Kong, or today, I should say. It's, it's last night for them now in Hong Kong. And um, 
everyone worldwide is remembering Tiananmen, and I hope you are. And let's um, let's not forget, um, freedom isn't free. And so, join us next week. This is Bennett Kelly, um, the Cyber Law and Business Report um, for the Internet Law Center. Uh, we'll see you next week with Cameron Kerry. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program as well as our complete library of programs on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.